Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are we we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. I'm asking you, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Good day. It is May the 2nd, 2023. This is Tom Richardson. After a little bit of a break for about a week, we took, not not that I wanted to, but it just got a lot of things going on. Didn't get a chance to get behind the microphone again. And these things, as you know, if you follow along with us and you walk this road that we're walking uh, with the podcast, it it, it has a, I, I don't have a designated amount that I do in a week or a month even I I try to do things with a, a a little bit different of an idea behind what we're doing and that's simply to give you good quality instruction I guess we could call it or we could call it um, let's walk this road together there's a good way to put it. I was telling some friend, friends of mine the other day, uh, you know, they, they invite me in pretty much every Sunday to preach. And I, I'm like, you know, it's not just me trying to teach you. You're teaching me as well. We, 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 uh, we learn from each other. We, uh, you know, 
you're you're forced a little bit more into the learning. You're forced if you're going to do it correctly. You don't just download an inter- internet sermon and do it, and you don't uh, spend a lot of time uh, reading garbage to to put together a sermon or a, or something. You know, you you spend time with the Bible and prayer. You spend time with God. And that's what we all should be doing. I don't care if you're preaching or not. You should be spending time with God. We are at a point in our lives, and we're at a point in our uh, earthly existence, I will even say. There's a lot of things that are happening uh, that as we look around, we can say, well, there's something really nefarious going on. And I said that for a reason. There's a movie that just recently came. We're going to talk about a couple of movies that are out that I'm going to get into a, a bit of a Bible study. There's a, there's a couple of movies that have popped in the last month. I was unaware of any, because I, I don't really keep up with what Hollyweird's doing. Uh, I'm more, uh, I mean, I watch, I watch the TV. I see certain things. I've, I've got a, uh, a subscription to a several different streaming platforms and that, you know, I can pick and choose what I want to watch and I'm pretty careful about it. But, uh, you know, there's a movie that came out not long back a couple of weeks ago, I think called nefarious. And it's about, Basically, from what I gather, I have not watched it. I have not paid the money to go to the... I want. I don't want to pump up their... Uh, you know, give them a more than they need. Uh, <laughs> it's a movie about a guy who's on death row, who's about to be executed, but he claims that he is a demon or demon-possessed. Therefore... They send in a psychologist to see him and determine whether or not he is literally possessed or if he is playing an act or if he's a psycho, if he's gone off his meds, as they say. The review that I watched from a couple of guys that I trust, uh, was pretty good. They they broke it down so I didn't have to watch a whole lot. I mean, I've seen the trailer for the movie. You can go on YouTube and look it up. It's it's but you have the problem is they've incorporated Roman Catholicism as far as exorcism goes into it, which is a blatant not correct way for demons to be excised if you want to use that word jesus didn't call for roman priests did he well he's a son of god yes he is and the the demons knew that by the way everybody else around him couldn't quite grasp it but when he ran into a a truly demonic uh, presence they always said what are you here to do torment us before the time thou son of david or son of god they knew who he was when even the guys walking with him, it took a, a good while for him to figure it out. 
but they can call for a priest. They didn't have to call. They didn't call for the even the uh, high priest or Caiaphas or any of the other guys in the New Testament to throw the Bi- uh, to throw the Bible, throw the demon out of the man. They didn't do a bunch of uh, meet and greets. They simply was you know in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, come out of him. Now Jesus would just simply say come out. They couldn't resist him. Um, now I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you if you aren't walking with Christ, if you're not close to Jesus, if you have, uh, if you're, if you're a Sunday AM Christian period and you know, if you want to take that however you want, uh, some people I know they can't get out more. They're, they're, aged and and hurting and there's other health issues perhaps but a lot of people can and they don't they just want to check a box and that's it unfortunately a lot of places sunday a.m may be the weakest of all the church services that you'll run into during the week if you even have any more a lot of churches don't but sunday p.m and sunday uh, wednesday night can be a little bit more compelling. So you, you may learn something. You may hear things that you wouldn't hear. You can interact perhaps uh, with at least on Wednesday. There's a lot of churches have done away with Sunday school. You know, that's kind of spooky. But it, you'll if, if you're just a, a nominal Christian, if you're just a, a, you know, surface faith, you know, you don't really, you, you say, oh, I have faith, but you don't really know how deep it is. I would not adjure you to try to throw demons out of people. I would not say that uh, excising demonic presences from folks would be your calling. In the book of Acts, we ha- I don't have any notes on this. I'm just off the top. In the book of Acts, you have these guys by the name of the seven sons of Sceva, S-C-E-V-A. They go in and they decide well i've seen paul do this so we're going to give it a shot there's a demon possessed man when they go to him and they start this exorcism so to speak the demon simply looks at them and says who are you paul i know jesus i know but i don't know you and he presents himself to whip the tar out of all seven of them, strip them naked, and send them running out into the street. So don't try to fight demons if you don't have the right armament, if you don't have the correct uh, biblical backup and training because you could get into trouble. But this this movie, uh, Nefarious, it's, it's fraught with all kinds of issues that, I mean, I like Glenn Beck. He's, if you don't know who he is, he's a uh, he's a newscaster. He has his own uh, news service called Blaze TV. Now, I like Glenn. I I like Glenn as a newscaster, as a presenter of the issues of today. But I'm not going to go to him for spiritual stuff because he's a Mormon. And that's a little bit concerning, but he has got a part in this movie as well. Um, I would say if you decide you want to go see it, 
because it's getting great reviews or you maybe you're sitting in a church where you're a pastor because there are some pastors on the thread for the movie on that I, I watched the trailer on YouTube that just rave about it. Oh, this is the best thing, you know, the, the demon possession and the and the uh, exercising thereof. And I'm like, I haven't seen it. I can't really judge it. But from what my friends over at Good Fight Ministries say, I would stay away. You know, if 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 you need entertainment in the casting out of demonic spirits, go listen to what Jesus said. Period. The other movie that came out and dropped here within the last week or so, I think even, is Left Behind, The Rise of the Antichrist. They are slowly but surely working their way through this Left Behind series written by a pair of fellows by the name of Tim LaHaye, as he called himself Dr. Tim LaHaye, and Jerry B. Jenkins. I have all their books. I'm not, I don't hide anything from you folks, right? At a period in time, and it, they're all novels, by the way. They're what we call Christian novels, biblical novels, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and they're interesting. I mean, they're, they're, they're I, I got to be honest. They're, they have an interest in them, and I, I will give credit where it's due. I, uh, I worked with fellows back in the day when these books were hot, back in the first part of the 2000s, and uh, it gave people um, a new perspective. They started to turn back to, to the Bible, and I don't know how long they stayed in it. Uh, I knew some of these guys were like, man, this is really compelling, you know, and they, they were raised like in Baptist churches, a lot of guys from the South. So they believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And it's and it's spooky. I mean, it's scary stuff. Rise of the Antichrist and you know the, the caught away and everybody disappears and there's certain ones that are left behind. Uh, uh, a pastor of a church was left behind because he, he really wasn't doing what he was supposed to. Now, that can happen. But I want you as my listeners to understand that the left behind series left only one thing behind. And that is pretty much the Bible. The left behind series left one very big thing behind. I repeat, and that is the Bible. There may be some references to scripture. There may even be scripture in them. I don't remember. I didn't, I don't, I read the books a long, 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 long time ago. I haven't reviewed them again. Uh, but the concepts are way off. Just, just to let you know. I mean, there's concepts of of a guy who was forced to take the mark of the beast by his parents, and so therefore, you know, he he didn't want to, but he was forced into it, and he's still saved. He's redeemed in a way or another. The Bible says elsewise, if you take the mark of the beast you will perish. Um, Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. Remember that when they say, put out your right hand or stick your head over here for this mark so that you can buy, sell, and trade from Revelation 13. Because it says, he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their forehead or in their right hand 
and the number of the mark is 666, the number of a man. But anyway, you know, you've heard that all before, I'm sure. But those who take it, will go, they will perish. They will go to hell, period. That's all there is to it, lake of fire. It's in the Bible. It's right there in Revelation 14. No one who takes the mark can be saved. I don't care what your uh, dispensation is on uh, once saved, always saved, eternal security, locked in, whatever. You know, I said the prayer. If you take the mark of the beast, you will burn what it says in the Bible, not me, the Bible. There's no way back from that. And, you know, you'll have people that believe in this pre-trib stuff that are going to tell you, well, if they have a, they, they've come up with a mark, then that's not the real one because we're still here. If the temple's being built in, in uh, Jerusalem on the Temple Mount, it's not the real one because I'm still here and other ludicrous things such as that. And it's just, I'm telling you, read your Bible. If you if you read your Bible until it falls apart, you contact me, and I'll, I'll mail you a, a new one. Give me proof that you read yours to the, to the bare threads. I'll find a way to get you a Bible. Because, friends... Listen to me. That's where the truth is. Um, And, you know, if I send you a Bible, it'll be a King James Bible, by the way. So you'll be stuck with that. And that's okay because I I really, I I was uh, reading through the New American Standard just yesterday in a a Bible study that I'm involved in. I I used it instead of the King James because it confuses people and they get, I read that, I could not follow it. That's just me, though. That's my, I've been programmed by God, and I'm all right with it. But friends, let me tell you, you need to read your Bible. Things like these movies where people say, oh, it's so good, you got to see it. If you're doing it for your own personal entertainment, then okay. But if you're going to try to turn this into a deep, dark theological study that is so good and so great, don't do it. It's more than likely not going to wash out right. It's going to stink is what I'm saying. There's very few biblical movies that don't have some kind. I did that with scare quotes. That don't have some kind of really hairy, scary stuff in there that you're like, wait a minute, I don't remember that from the Bible. I don't remember, you know, I, I can't give you an example off the top of my head, but well, let's give you the one in the, the movie we're talking about is uh, both of them, you know, this disappearance of millions of people and nobody knows where they went or billions even, whatever. Uh, don't you think, of, listen to me, if you look at First Thessalonians chapter 4, which is the rapture, the pre-tribulation rapture passage, it should be written in gold ink for the uh, pre-trib folks out there. It talks about the graves blowing open first, right? Doesn't it not? Those who are dead in Christ will be raised first. That's a resurrection. 
and then we who are left behind or whatever. Those of us who remain will be caught up to be with them in the air. Now, you, if you study this stuff, you're going to find that there is more stuff that teaches against a pre-trib than there is for a trib, whatever you call it. Because they just, they want you to feel like it, you can get out of here. It, it, it sells. It's a, it, it is a big seller. And it has been for decades, really. Back in the 70s, you had movies like, uh, I can't, what was that, the, the Beast and all these other ones, and churches were showing them all over the place. And the, uh, the seminal song that came out of them all was, uh, let me play it a little bit for you. I, I just want to play it uh, for, for a second. I have a thing I've got to do here anyway. Let me find it. It's called, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. And it's a, it's a really, it is actually a good song from way back. It's written by a guy by the name Larry Norman. It was redone by the uh, DC Talk in the 90s, I think. But, you know, the original is always the best way to go as soon as I find it. It's in my playlist over here. And I, I only do this, like I say, I, I, I'm not going to play the whole song. I'll, I'll just let a little bit of it play while I take care of some extraneous business that I have here. Come on, Tom, where's it at? But, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, uh, there we go. Wish we'd all been ready by Larry Norman. I'll be back in a second. get the idea and you can you can read into that song actually any any uh timing of christ's second coming way you want to the uh the way they did it in the 70s was they made it kind of famous by putting it in with all the pre-trib movies and uh but as you listen to it, you hear the sun has come. And I like it. I'm not going to hammer on this because I have somewhere else I'm going with this today. I want to talk today uh, after all that. Just just keep in mind those two movies that are going to probably if you're if you're in the know or in the listen, you'll you'll hear different ones talk about them. And really, they'll fall on either side. You're going to have people that say. 
oh no, <laughs> stay away. And others are going to be like, oh no, it's the best thing ever happened. So I would say just for your own good, stay away or wait till they hit TV and look at them or something, you know, just, it's just, I don't know. We're, we're, we're really, we're really entering a time that I think is near the end. And I think most people do, uh, believe that but we never know what day our personal end may be so live your life to the fullest for the lord every day i've been thinking about something for quite some time and i I just want to talk about it it's a it's a it's a postulation of my own Uh, i i kind of started thinking about Time in the wilderness. Time in the wilderness. Uh, the the first real taste of it we'll go into is you know the Exodus. There's people that have been living under the boot, so to speak, or the sandal, whatever you want to call it, of the Egyptians for four hundred years. Now it all wasn't it wasn't all bad, but it says in in Exodus. Chapter 1, I think it's verse 1. And then there came a king who knew not Joseph. And that would be, I think they they claim probably Ramses or somebody like that. But this pharaoh that came along, and it says he knew not Joseph. Joseph was the uh, Joseph of uh, Genesis 50 and back, who rose from prisoner to second in command of all Egypt, a godly man. One of the, the one, the one man in the, in the Bible in scriptures that really the scripture doesn't say anything bad about him. And he is a direct picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of things that correlate between Joseph and Jesus, you know, and we'll go, maybe we'll do a teaching on that if I ever remember to do the things I say that I might do. But today, we have a guy that shows up and he knows not Jesus. We also say he knows not, or I'm sorry, I did say it. (laughs) He knows not Joseph, but we can say it in the uh, way today, he knows not Jesus. That would be like the Antichrist. But God, in his mercy, wants to take his people away. And we go through the whole, you know, the Passover and all the plagues and all that. And Moses leads them out of Egypt and into the wilderness. Of course, they go through the Red Sea, and now they're in the wilderness. And they stumble around out in that wilderness for 40 years because they didn't know how to act. Moses went up on the mountain. He spent 40 days and 40 nights with God. And while he was up there, the people started to worry. Is he dead? Is he not going to come? All we see is grumbling and smoke and fire. We don't know what happened to this man, Moses. So let's make us a, a golden cow and dance around it naked. And that's what they did. And then God said, you better go down and see what they're up to. This caused them 40 years in the wilderness. 
God has pr- give, given them a promise, though. He promised them that, a promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. But because of this grievous sin against him, where they wanted to, they, they were always complaining. We want to go back to Egypt. They had cucumbers and watermelon and this and that and the other thing. Now all we have out here is this stuff that God gives us. So they, they, they paid for that with 40 years of their life to wipe out a generation, practically. So that's what happened. They go now, so you've gone through this wilderness where you're learning, right? They, they were given the commandments. They were given uh, a lot of the Tyrannic law and all that. So they've, they, they've had Moses as their guide. They've had the rock that followed them around and gave them water and the, the bread from heaven and on and on. They were taught the, the, the tenets of those commandments to obey God and to obey his Sabbath and just on and on. And their reward at the end is to go into the promised land. Now, I, I, I want to I kind of segue a little bit and use my own thought on this and and I hope that it makes sense and I hope that it, you can get gain something here is that in our own lives you know we stumble around as unsaved ones we're slaves and that's all there is to it to Satan and his demons as before you come to the Lord You know, he's got his boot on your neck. You don't even know it because you're just living your life and having a good time. But you're bound for a lake of fire. And then one day the light comes on and Jesus redeems you. Somebody shares the gospel with you. Now, some of them share it well and some of them don't. But as long as you come to the, the knowledge and the salvation of Christ, Whatever comes next, hopefully you have a good guide through it. You need a Moses, which is a picture of Jesus. But, you know, on this earth, we need godly men who are working in the stead of Jesus to guide us through this, what I'm calling the wilderness experience. You're you're going from slave to, to now learning that there are different ways to live. Are there rules to follow? There are, actually. There are things that we need to learn along the way. Now, we are going to make a lot of mistakes. Even to the time we pass out of this world and into the next, we will make mistakes. Some of them will be biggins. But as we grow in Christ, as we grow in the knowledge of the holiest of all, God, we start to make less of them. That's the thing we shoot for. I often say, I I, I wake up, I don't want to be better than so-and-so. Don't, Lord, that's not my 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 point in my aim. I want to be better than I that Tom was yesterday, me. If you can strive for that. You're striving for the right thing to have, and not just be, oh, I, I, I'm better today. You know, I feel better, and I'm, I'm not doing. You, you're doing 
the work of God. You're, you're, you're allowing the work of God also to work in you. Very important fact. Now, to back up some of what I'm saying, I just want to look at some things about the wilderness, and then we'll talk hopefully about the promised land. John the Baptist, New Testament, but basically the last of the Old Testament prophets, was a voice. Where was he at? Crying in the wilderness. People flocked to this man until Jesus' ministry came, and then John said, I, uh, he must increase, but I must decrease. And he sent some of his disciples, John did, off to be with Jesus. We've already spoke about the Israelites, how they went from uh, slave into the wilderness. Isn't that something? The wilderness, and God sustained them. God sustained John Baptist. He sustained him with honey and locusts, but that's what 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 he lived on. You know, Jesus went up into the wilderness. He was baptized by John and straightaway was compelled by the Spirit to go into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights, tempted of the devil. And, of course, he whooped the devil soundly. Uh, Elijah. He took took down the, the many, many prophets of Baal. And then he fled from Jezebel into the wilderness where ravens brought him food by the, by the brook. You know, again, the, this wilderness that, that we go into is a place for our salvation to be built up. We learn how to depend upon God. Here's a big one. Paul. We don't know, we don't hear a lot about the place that Paul went. Says he, I think he said it went, it, we often say the backside of the desert. He was like in Arabia somewhere. But he went there pretty much alone into the wilderness for three years where many believe that he was taught personally by Jesus. And I would not doubt that. I know that God can do whatever God wants to do. And this man was chosen from a very, what we could even say, vile, murderous man and turned into the one of the greatest apostles in the New Testament. Read, I'm sorry, wrote 17 books, if you count Hebrews. And that I do. I think he did, actually. That's just my opinion, can't prove it. But a lot of it shows a little bit of Paul's type writing. So here we have these men who went into the wilderness, and when they came out, their ministry was on fire. Paul, Jesus. Now, of course, Jesus, son of God, we know that. But he went anyway. He had to go and face the temptations of devil, and then beat him. And then when he came back out, he started a ministry that cannot be, can't be topped. We know that. Psalm 25, verse 10, says something that is very telling. I, I read this, and I read it again, and I read it again. 
all the paths. Oh, you remember when I say all? All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. You are going to go down paths in your life that don't seem like they're all that great. It may be sickness. It may be disease. It may be people who want to literally kill you. Or they want to slaughter you spiritually. There's a couple of different ways you can be killed. They, they can't do it unless you allow it on that second one. People will try to belittle you and uh, tell you that you you are not qualified to do what you do, blah, blah, blah. I don't care if it's, I don't care what it is, a Sunday school teacher, a preacher, a whatever. You know, there's always going to be whispering and, and murmuring in the background. Why are you listening to him? He's not worth it. Or her. But you know what? If you are being edified, if you are being lifted up, if you feel the power of the Holy Ghost working through whoever it is you want to listen to or whoever your preacher may be, then I say stick with it. But just always be knowing that the Bible is the final word on everything. Because people, we are... We're in a time when that's what that's what you have to rely on. Psalm twenty five seven says this: Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, according to thy mercy, O God. Remember thou me for thy goodness's sake, O Lord. Remember not my sins. Remember, I'm sorry. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. we really need to grasp onto that. And that's not a, that's not a claim for once saved, always saved and all that other stuff that's floating around out there. That's just, you know, we need to ask God to forgive us daily. I think Psalm 25, 18, look, upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Now, when I read that verse, it just hit me right in the face, was my affliction and my pain. They are a direct link to the last two words, which says, my sins. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. It is the sin that has that entered our existence through Adam that caused afflictions and pain and death and persecution, tribulation, and false teachers and everything else. We were created to be stewards of this planet, to look after it 
and its and its inhabitants, the uh, the uh, animals, and other people as as people were f- born. That was God's plan. He says, you know, I I'm, I want some something or someone in my image, which was an image not just in maybe the flesh and bone, but in the in the fact that the spirit was clean until the fall. And then everything went into havoc. Consider that. We sometimes are are our own worst enemy. But when I read this and it says, forgive all my sins, you know, people like to grasp onto things like that. And I'll tell you right now, he will, God, God will, and God does forgive all your sins. But this doesn't mean you have a license to sin. He wants you to have the mind of Christ, which very plainly would be that you are not going to go out and just sin because you can. That is ludicrous. With the mind of Christ within us, the Holy Ghost, really, we're going to sin a lot less. 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 We need to really strive for that. Put away the things that are going to take you from being a good and studious follower of Jesus Christ into just being somebody who says, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, like you know they say 78% of the country is or whatever. And the reality of that is they are not. There are a lot of false conversions as well. Romans 11.34 For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? You know, Paul wrote, I love the writings of Paul. Well, the Bible, so it just goes without saying. But you love the, the way that... uh he could be so humble even though this man impacted generation upon generation his writings are very humble we need humility as well we need to, to if there's a demon within us and you know if you're a christian you can't really have a demon within you but if you have if there's anything that is filthy, that gets within us, it's pride. Try to limit anything that has to do with pride. You know, and I, I have people that will tell me things, and I, it, it, it could give me a big head. But as I do things more for the Lord, I feel like I'm doing the job. And when someone, one of my friends or, 
or whatever uh, acquaintances comes and says, you know, you've you you really touched me with that, or you whatever. I, I'm I like to hear that. I like to know that I I'm on the right track myself. I don't look at it as a oh wow look at me, but it's all about you know am I on the right track? Because I really that's what we want to be. We have the mind of Christ. Do you have the mind of Christ? How does one get the mind of Christ? You have to be in your Bible, folks. Period. The the Word of God will correct you when you're wrong if you let it or let Him and he will perfect you as you go along. And there's people, oh, you can't be perfect. The Bible says otherwise. It actually does say we're working through this and to, to be perfected. Now, of course, yeah, I'm not going to be perfect. Never. It can't happen. But it's a sanctification process as we work towards glorification. Sanctification is the cleaning up, the setting aside the being pulled away from the world as it is and into the more of the presence of God. You know, you can tell a lot of people. I have a friend of mine who passed away. I've talked about many times, Steve Mitchell. And please, if you get a chance, look him up on Facebook, or not Facebook, but uh, YouTube or Rumble or wherever they're putting his uh, old messages. I loved to listen to him pray. And sometimes in the middle of a message, he just stops. I feel, I just really feel led to pray. And he would, it felt like you, as you listen to him or as you uh, join in prayer with him in this endeavor, you felt like you were right there in the throne room of God with him. He had a, he had a, just a knack of it. And that's what we need more and more we need pastors that can do that we need deacons or whatever your church calls them we need people in the pews we need the the song leaders and worship teams all need to be able to pray in a powerful way and it can't be forced it can't be pushed out sometimes your human mouth will stutter a bit i'm not talking about speaking in tongues i'm just speaking like my mind gets so far ahead, you know, because we're striving to get to that throne room of God. We want people to feel the presence of the, of God. And praying is the best way. You're, you're, the Bible reading and studying, of course, that's going to give you that, wow, man, that's so awesome. So, while we're on this thing about what it said in uh, Psalms about forgive me of all my sins. Now, there are certain extractions and denominations out there that like to say this. I've been forgiven of my sins, past, present, and future. Therefore, I don't really need to ask for forgiveness ever again of my sin. I think you do. And I, I, I have... I believe God, yes, he can forgive you of future sins because 
he knows what they're going to be. I don't. But, you know, it also says that, you know, you're not going to be tempted. Not, oh, God, I hate when these guys come off with it. You won't be given more than you can handle. You won't be tempted beyond what you can handle. There are people I know right now in physical conditions that are way beyond anything they can handle. Now, some of them, it's all relying upon doctors. Others have learned that I'm going to rely on God. Sometimes you're pushed into situations where if it weren't for God, you wouldn't make it out. I think of POWs. I think of, you know, uh, political prisoners. I think of people who have been uh, maybe taken in this uh, 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 sex slave stuff. Please, if, if you know, we need to find a way to bring that to a, a screeching halt. But, you know, it's, it's an evil time, and there are evil people, and unfortunately these things keep going on. But the thing of it is, all sins, forgive me of all my sins, he wrote. I want to talk about the lady who was caught in, a, in adultery in John chapter 8, verse 11, after the whole thing, you know, the, the folks are ready to stone her, buddy. Hey, they got blood in their teeth. I mean, they can just, ah, we're going to take this. We just want to beat her to death right in front of this Jesus guy. He's going to be the one. He's going to be the one who gives us the, the green light. So they bring her to Jesus, right? They bring her to Jesus. We've caught this one in, in the act, committing adultery, in the act. How did they do that? Were they spying her out, or did they know what time of day she was working? I don't know. The law says, what say you, Jesus? Who amongst you is without sin? Cast the first stone. That's when you hear the thump, thump, thump. They all drop to the ground. They walk away. I got us again. We'll get him next time. No, you won't. They even thought they were going to get him when they took him to the cross, and they, they didn't, they didn't win there either, did they? They lost. But here's the thing. The lady's standing there or, you know, on her knees, however you want to look at it, and Jesus says, where are those that condemned you? She says, oh, they're not here. They, they all walked away. He says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. How is she going to do that? He's the only person who ever lived on this planet, Jesus, who never sinned. He ended up taking all my sin and yours and everyone else upon himself, but he never actually sinned. But he tells this girl, go and sin no more. I think he said that more than once throughout the uh, the Bible, the New Testament. And, you know, it's, it's a daunting thing. When you, th- when you first hear it, you're, maybe you haven't studied it enough or you don't know, what's he talking about? How can you do that? You know, nobody can just go and sin no more. I mean, I'm going to sin... Uh, 
uh, I, I'm going to walk away from that and I'm going to, I'm going to you know, stubble my toe somewhere and, and start cussing because it hurts. Here's the thing. He's telling her, don't go back to what you came from. He knows that she will invariably sin in some category or another. Like say, hit your thumb, stub your toe on the on the bedpost, whatever. May maybe she'll look at a man again in a different way than she should. Did you know that was actually committing adultery in your heart, as Jesus tells us? Yeah. But anyway, go and sin no more means don't go back to where I just brought you from, what I just bought you from. Because this is a very good picture of our salvation experience. We have been bought by the blood of Christ, we have been just as, uh, and you know this this doesn't go well in in uh, the modern day because uh, we look at things a lot different than they did in the old days of Jesus. We were slaves to sin. Let's just put it like that. So you're practically are a slave to sin, but you've been bought by the Lord. You've been re, you've been released from that, but you are still a servant that's how the king james and many of the other versions use is the word servant but it's really a bondman or a slave you're a slave to christ you want to do what he wants he tells you to do you do it you want to now he's not going to beat you and and you know treat you evilly but you will you will feel some chastisement is a word that is used in the bible but here you have this lady who's he's just told her don't don't sin it go go and sin no more don't go back to what you came from don't go back to the adulterous sinning that you have just been doing i want you to live a better life i want you to live without that which is filthy and dirty i know that you're going to make mistakes child of god I know that you're going to stumble and you may fall flat, but always look for Jesus to pick you back up. Just because you stumble, sometimes we sin, sometimes we fall short, and it's the devil swoops right in and says, I got you, you're not going to make it. Your, your days are numbered, you're done, it's over. In uh, 1 John chapter 3, let me pull it up real quick in front of me. I'm going to do it King James first, and then we're going to look at a different aspect of it. See if this works. Of course it did. Okay, hold on. Well, you know, I got it to work even though I spelled John wrong. 
First John chapter three verses. Uh, and, and, and actually, if you if you really sit, think, and let the let the word soak in, you'll figure it out. But sometimes it's it's better to take the shortcuts that we have. I love this. All right, we'll start. This is going to be a little bit of a chunk. First John 3, verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him, Jesus, purifieth, purifieth himself even as he, slash, Jesus is pure. So I'll reread that for you real quick. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. You always those pronouns can throw you off. That's why I kind of change them around a little bit so you know who who the 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 writer is talking about. Every man is just anybody, and he hath this hope in him. That's Jesus who purifies himself, even as Jesus is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth <laughs> transgresseth also the law, for sin is transgression of the law. And you know, this is verse 5, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Again, talking about Jesus. He was, he was produced. He was brought to us. He was revealed to take away our sins. He was put on this earth for that one sole purpose, to save mankind from their sin, because in him there is none. Whosoever abideth in him, verse 6, sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. John 3, 7, 1 John 3, 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he, Jesus, is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, verse 8. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now that sounds very difficult. Saying that you're not going to sin and you're, you're, you know, all, if you do sin, you know, you're of the devil and let's, let's try to re, uh, revisit this through a different lens. Some people won't like it. You can turn me off right about now. This is the new American standard version Bible. Verse number three, first John three. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him, capital H, purifies himself just as he, Jesus, is pure. Everyone who, this is the verse that really opens the door for you. Verse number four, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one 
who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous, Jesus. But the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Now, I hope you, if you didn't get all that, read it. Find your uh, favorite Bible website and reread it. Because it's important to understand we are not called to practice sin. When somebody tells me I'm forgiven sins, uh, past, present, future, and all this other, it it's very, you know, daunting. And a new believer will be like, well, yeah, I guess I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. You're not called out of the bondage of sin to go right back and start doing all the things you did before because you're saved. Paul in uh, Romans 6, 1, I believe, says, you know, should we sin because we have grace abounding? God forbid. We should revisit that. I got a little bit of time, don't I? Actually, no, I'm kind of over. That's all right. That's all right. Real quickly. Real quickly. As long as my my computer's quickly enough for me. I'm, I, I type and talk at the same time. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I actually did this on purpose, a New Living Translation. I don't use this for nothing. Uh, but it says, well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Think about that. Are you going to just sin because God's going to show you more and more of his wonderful? He's just going to keep dishing grace to you. Oh, that's okay. Sin away. I got more grace. It'll make you feel better. No, it won't. And verse number two, Romans six, verse two, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Folks, we're going to sin. That's the bottom line. We're going to, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall short of the, of the, uh, of the task at hand which is to do the best that we can for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to make mistakes. We're going to step on our own toes once in a while. That's not a death sentence. But we are not to go back to the things that we came out of as believers, as we were brought out of the darkness into the light. Don't try to stay in the shade, kind of. Oh, I'm in the gray area. There is none. It's either dark or light. Stand fast in the light. When you stumble, ask him to forgive you. Ask him to help you. Ask him to keep your eyes open to what you did so you don't do it again. Have a great day. May the 2nd, 2023. Tom Rich for the Removing Confusion podcast. Until the next time, you have a great day, a great week, and a great time living in the light of Christ.
Well, he's made me 